Good morning, Summit Church. You guys feeling okay this morning? Wonderful. Well, my name's Chris. I am the impact director here in Kernersville for our middle and high school students. We got some impact people in here this morning. Oh, oh, all right, Dalen. That's great. I love the impact love. You guys got more love than the other services. I'll tell them I said it, but hey, we're so excited you guys are all here hanging out with us for our last week of the One Another series. And I have a question for y'all. Let's go ahead and just jump in. Has anybody ever wanted to quit something before? Yeah, you ever had one of those times where like you're exhausted, you're tired, you're beat down, you really just don't want to keep going with whatever it is you're facing? See, it happened to me really hard when I was in college. I went to school at Trinity College up in Hartford, Connecticut, and I played basketball up there, and basketball was my favorite sport and favorite thing to do growing up. But man, in college, that first year it was tough. It felt almost like it was a job at times. And I found myself really wanting to quit. There were two times I really, really wanted to quit my freshman year. First one was Thanksgiving. You know why? Because the North ain't got nothing on some good home cooking from the South, baby. I feel like my mom makes the best macaroni and cheese, homemade, cornbread, homemade, pumpkin pie, homemade. It's just incredible. See, you guys are already ready for lunch. You're probably going to want me to stop talking about this. But it's just incredible. And here's the deal. I could not come home for Thanksgiving because we had practice. Basketball season just kept going. And, man, I remember how hard it was. And it really didn't help that my older brother and younger brother and sister, they actually decided to send me pictures of the food. (laughs) So I was like, hey, mac and cheese, wink. Hey, here's the cornbread, smiley face. Hey, here's a pumpkin pie. Blew me a kiss. I'm like, Nick, don't you dare blow me a kiss, man. I don't want that. They're eating this delicious food, and I have to go to McDonald's, and I do supersize it, maybe get an apple pie, but it's not as good, right? I wanted to quit, and I'll be honest with you. The other time I really wanted to quit was about a month later, Christmas. I came home for Christmas, but December 26th, it was like the Grinch that stole my Christmas. I had to be in the airport bright and early to fly back for practice. Man, it was hard. Classes didn't start until the end of January, so we're on campus for a whole month by ourselves. Hockey team, basketball team, that's really it. And I remember thinking, man, I just want to quit. Even worse was the fact that our coach was super old school. He was a guy all about toughness and being committed and bought in. I'm like, okay, I I can see that. So he would make us practice at 6 o'clock in the morning in New England in December In January, the sun wasn't out yet. Guys, it was freezing cold up there. And I'm I'm from High Point. I can't drive in the snow and the ice. We see how everybody drives. I'm going to be honest. We can't drive in that stuff. So every morning, 5 o'clock comes around, and I start lacing up my snow boots. They're like boats, really. They, like, came up to my knees. And I would just put layer and layer and layer of clothing on because I wasn't going to drive over. Has anybody ever seen the movie Christmas Story? You guys know Ralphie's brother who walks out in the snow. It's like if Ralphie falls over on his back, like Ralphie, his brother cannot get up because he has so much clothes on. That's what I felt like. So I'm walking to practice, and the other guys on the team are going, and they're all just walking ahead because they're from New England, and they're used to the cold. And I'm waddling behind them. Hey, hold, hold on. I'm coming. I'm coming. Guys, it was hard, man. I, I just wanted to quit. And I'll never forget how hard it was to keep going. I don't know what you guys walked in here with this morning. I don't know what it might be in your life, but there are chances are there's probably something you want to quit right now. 
Might not be a sport. Could be a friendship. Maybe you're friends with somebody. You guys have been friends since high school. You guys have always been together and close. And, but, man, they just make it all about them. They never ask how you're doing. They never care about you. And you might feel like, I'm just tired of having to reach out to this person and just talk to them. It might not be a friendship. It, for you, it could be your job. Maybe your job and you just keep doing the grind day in and day out every single week. And boss man is just breathing down your neck, right? Feel like you don't make the money you should. You feel like you don't get the appreciation you should. And you might just want to quit. Maybe it's not your job. Maybe it's school. Hey, my impact kids, I asked them on Wednesday if they're ready to go back to school. School hadn't even started yet and they want to quit. Right? I'm like, give it a chance, right? You got to at least see what happens. Maybe you're in college, college students, and you've been gone for two weeks, and you're like, man, I, I don't want to keep doing college. Maybe the work or the papers or whatever it is, it's just too much for you. How about this? How about our marriages? Maybe some of y'all drove this morning in the car, and y'all didn't say a thing to each other. And you feel like, I don't know if I can keep going. See, she's not the same person she was when we got married. Well, he just, you know, he's different now. We've grown apart. We're not good for each other anymore. Maybe you want to quit your marriage. Or it could be your relationship with God. Maybe you feel like your journey with God right now, whatever it is, it's not for you. And you feel like I keep praying to God every day about the same thing over and over and over again. And he's not helping. He's not answering prayers. I'm coming to church. It's not working. I don't know what to do. And maybe this morning is your last chance. You say, God, I'm going to give you one more shot. I'm going to come to church this morning. And hopefully I can be back on the right page with you. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's parenting. Any parents out here? Yes? All right. Maybe you've got a, uh, your teenage daughter just brought home her first boyfriend, and he's got hair down to his back, earrings. He's got one of them really loud cars. I don't know what it is. Or you might see your, your, your kids running around, and they're running around slapping people, just going crazy. You're like, this is not how I raised you. I get it. And it's hard, parents. You just want to quit. And I feel like I can kind of speak to this because my wife, Whitney, and I, we just had our first baby about three months ago. And her name is Little Iris. And here's a picture of Iris. I know I, I love the shirt. My sister got it for us. It's actually Daddy's Little Storm Pooper is what it says. If you're Star Wars fans, instead of a stormtrooper, right? But she's wonderful. And I, I got to brag on my daughter for one second, y'all. Just bear with me. I think Iris is the best. I really do. I mean, she has not missed one curfew. <laughs> she has never talked back to us or used a dirty word. And she always wants to hang out with mom and dad. It's the coolest thing. But no, seriously, Iris has been, she's been an amazing, amazing daughter. It's, it's so incredible and so much fun. Uh, one thing she even does is actually sleep through the night. I know, three months. I feel like I need to knock on some wood here and really try and send a prayer about that one because she might be up all night tonight. I hope she's not. But she's been wonderful. But the fact of the matter remains, sometimes I come home from work and my wife's been taking care of her all day and Iris is just upset. She's crying. So I'm like, hey, let me... Dad, act like we know what we're doing. Hey, I got her. Let me, let me take her. I'll fix her. Right? I take her and I hold her and I start rocking her. Uh-uh. Take her. I'm like, I try and sniff. Like, does she need a diaper change right now? Let me take her. So I take her. I try and change the diaper. Nope. 
Maybe she's hungry. Hey, babe, babe, can I get a bottle? I want to feed her real quick. No, not that either. The other week I tried this. She was so upset. I actually got her, picked her up, and I went into the nursery, and I put her in her crib and shut the door. I was like, maybe she just wants to be comfortable. My wife looked at me like I was crazy. <laughs> this is not going to happen to a crying baby, right? But sometimes I just want to quit as a parent. It's hard, man. We've only been doing it for three months. I don't know what in the world I'm doing as a dad. And sometimes I just, man, like, babe, I can't, I'm exhausted. I'm tired. I don't know how to do this. And I don't know what it is for you guys this morning. But I want to challenge you because you probably have something that you really want to quit. Something that's right in the back of your mind and it's hard for you to hold on. So this morning, last week of one another, we're going to talk about motivating one another. Because if we don't do this, guys, it's going to be a challenge. Now here's the deal. If it's your first time here to the summit, right, if you're still not even sure about this whole God thing and maybe you're watching online, whatever it may be, guys, this is going to relate with you just as much as it does to somebody who's been following Jesus your whole life. You know why? Because we're all going to have hard times in life. We're all going to have those times where you just want to quit. And when you want to quit, if you don't have one another, if you don't need one another, if we don't motivate one another, man, you're probably not going to make it. It is going to be a challenge. We need one another, y'all. So I'm excited to talk about Paul today. And Paul wrote the letter known as Hebrews in the New Testament. And just a little background on this, he wrote it in the first century, and Paul's writing to a group of Christians. Well, Hebrews were, they were Jewish people, and at this time they were Jewish, but Paul's writing to them. Why is he writing to them? Well, it's because the Hebrews said, I heard about this Jesus guy. I heard how he lived, how he died, how he gave everything for me. I want to follow him. So let's get this straight. They were Hebrews, but they're Christians. Okay, so they're Christian Jewish people, all right, I got it, and we're following here, right? And what happens is Paul says, I need to write them a letter because they need to motivate one another. They need to hold on. Man, it's tough for them because here was the deal, guys. If you were a Hebrew and you said, I want to follow Jesus, guess what everybody else said? Have fun. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. Family, friends, your religious community, everybody that you knew, they didn't want to talk to you anymore. They didn't really want anything to do with you. It would, it would be like one of the most disrespectful things you could do to your family and to your culture to say, I'm, I want to follow Jesus. I want to be a Christian. So these guys wanted to quit. Everybody Paul's writing to, they weren't sure if it was the right thing for them to do. You know, we had Iris. I had a picture of Iris. We're, we're so blessed and thankful to have our parents in High Point and in Kernersville, and they love Iris. We're talking free babysitters. So cool. But if Whitney and I would have been somebody that Paul was writing a letter to, and if we would have been Jewish and we became a follower of Jesus, they would want nothing to do with us. Our parents would say, I who? I don't even know you anymore. It was like you ceased to exist. You were no longer there. You were erased if you said, I'm going to follow Jesus. You guys all had those friends who, you know, a wedding invitation or a birthday party or a graduation celebration, whatever it is. And, you know, some people be like, oh, did you not get the invitation? I guess it was lost in the mail. They probably didn't invite you. But... What that really means, guys, is, hey, if you were a Hebrew back here, they wouldn't even think to give you a cheap excuse. They just didn't care about you anymore. Again, you were erased. So Paul wants to write him a letter and motivate him. Whatever you want to put, hold on to it. And let's see what Paul says here. In Hebrews 10, 23, Paul says, Let us hold tightly 
without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Hey, listen, I know it's hard. I know that you've got everybody out here against you. I know that you really don't know what to do next, but you gotta hold on tight. Hey, an another modern day example of this, we got any Carolina fans in here? Oh, there, there we go, right? National champs, absolutely. We got any Duke fans in here? Oh, we got a couple. I'm sorry to hear that. We'll pray for you guys, okay? But here's the deal. If you were somebody that Paul was writing to, it would be like you had been a Duke fan your entire life, and then you decided, I want to come to the good guys. I want to be a Carolina fan. All of a sudden, you say, I'm coming to Chapel Hill with Roy and the boys. I'm tired of the uh, Cameron Crazies and the Durham Doofuses or whatever you want to call them, right? You would be over it. Why? Because can you imagine how you would treat Carolina fans? Can you imagine how we would treat these new Duke fans, right? They wouldn't be accepted. If you were a Duke fan and all of a sudden your friends found out, oh, dude, you're going to follow Carolina? Nobody would want anything to do with you. You would be just cast out. Nobody would have the time of day for you. That's what was going on with these Hebrews. If you're a Panthers fan, hey, Panthers fans, all of a sudden you're a Patriots fan. Nobody likes New England. If somebody does like New England, I'm sorry. I hope Tom Brady doesn't really get hurt that bad this year, right? <laughs> You would want nothing to do with it. If you were a Democrat and you became a Republican, a Republican and a Democrat, they would have no, you, you wouldn't be accepted. And that's what's going on. Paul tells them, hey, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. You know what the hope is? Hey, church, the hope they have that Paul's writing to is the same hope we have. It's Jesus. Here's our hope right here. And if you affirm something, it means that you are stating it publicly. You're declaring it as a fact, man. Because remember, they declared Jesus as their Savior in front of everybody. Everybody told them, bye. Go have fun pulling for Duke, right? No time for them. I love how Paul says to hold tightly. It's not like just hold when it's convenient for you. Duh, just hold on to your hope when everything's going okay. It's easy to do that then, right? Hold tightly. Like you're getting on a roller coaster for the first time in your life. And you come off and your hands are shaking and your knuckles might still be clenched and you have no blood left in your hand because that's how hard you have been holding on to our hope in Jesus. Why do we do this? Why do we hold so tight to our hope in Jesus? God can be trusted to keep his promise. You know what his promise is? Regardless of what you're facing, what you're going through, what you want to quit, how heavy it might be, how hard it is for you to hold on. Our hope is Jesus. One day, whatever it is you're facing, whatever it is you're going through, hold on, guys, it's going to be okay. Probably not as soon as you want it to be. It, wasn't, it didn't happen as soon as the Hebrews wanted it to. But the hope that they have, they were holding on to, was Jesus. So everything was going to be okay. Hey, son, that's what we got to do. We got to hold on tight. And once you hold on tight, check out what Paul says. He keeps going. So since we have our hope up here, Right, Christians, this is what we're supposed to do. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Motivates from a, a Latin word that actually means to move. I know what you're thinking right now. I'm going to move somebody. That dude who cut me off in the parking lot, he's sitting three rows in front of me. I'm going to get up and give him a little bump. I'm going to move him, all right? That kid who broke me at Starbucks, I'm going to go thump that dude in the nose, right? I'm going to move him. No, 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 no. We're talking not this, not pass interference, this. Hey, come on, guys. Come on, we got it. Since our hope is here, since we have that hope, we're good. Let's move. Us. Come on. Everybody. Together. We're moving. Acts of love and good works. Guys, he's talking to us Christians. That's what we're supposed to be doing here. And he keeps going. I love how he finishes it. Let us not neglect our meeting together. As some people do, but encourage one another. Neglect. If you disregard something, if you forget about something, if you quit, 
hey guys, don't quit. Don't quit. Our meeting together, this is what we do on Sundays. This is why you're here on Sunday. So we can motivate one another and we keep one another going. This is why you come to Impact on Wednesday nights. So we can motivate one another and keep one another going. This is why you circle up and join a group. We can motivate one another and keep one another going. He uses the word encourage again. Encourage one another. If you take out the beginning of encourage, what do you got? Courage. Encourage means to give somebody courage, to give somebody hope, because we already have our hope, y'all. Our hope's up there, right? And since we have that hope, it's our responsibility to share it with others. What I love about Paul and how he started these verses is he talks about how we're doing it together with one another. We have to realize, y'all, we have to realize that when we encourage somebody, when we motivate somebody, when we push somebody, when we spur somebody on, it's an us thing. You cannot do it by yourself. I don't know what you're facing. I really, really don't. And maybe you're not even sure about this whole God thing. But I want to promise you one thing that I know. You can't go through life by yourself. You won't be able to. I love uh, spurring one another on. That's the NIV translation, right, for encouraging. And spurs, you guys all know what spurs are on the back of boots. You have them and you would use it when you're, when you're riding a horse or an animal. And it's them together, moving, hey, in the right direction. Guys, let's not quit what we're facing, right? Let's keep motivating and moving and going forward. Our main idea for this morning is this. We have to keep one another moving. Yeah, but, man, you don't understand what I'm going through with my marriage, right? That's just not working. Are you keeping your wife moving? Man, but a job, man, the boss, he's just killing me. Are you keeping him moving? Oh, well, he doesn't know. It doesn't matter what they believe. What matters the most is what we know. And if our hope is in Jesus, our responsibility, Summit, is to do this. Keep one another moving. Even if they're Duke fans. We got to do it. And you might be wondering, hey, okay, what does that even look like? I don't know, what does that mean? And I always give this to my impact kids on Wednesday nights when we're talking. I'm like, all right, I got some homework for you guys. And when I say the word homework, they're like, oh, homework. Can't stand homework. We just got two things that we can do right now in our lives that will help you keep one another moving. And a lot of y'all are probably already doing it, but you don't realize it. Two things you guys can do to keep one another moving. The first thing, guys, you listen up with one another. Listen to them. You got people around you. You got people living in your house right now. Your kids, right? You have people that you work with every day in the cubicle right next to you. And that music might drive you crazy that they play. But do we listen to them? They talk about their weekend. They talk about struggles and things they're going through. Christians, our responsibility is to keep one another moving. That's the hope that we have, and we got to share it with others. If you listen up with one another, you guys would be shocked at the outcome and how things can change. I used to struggle with listening really, really bad. I feel like my wife probably tells me I still struggle with listening sometimes. But you guys are with me on that, men. And something I realized, guys, is it's not about the words and the response that you have. See, I used to, I used to dodge people when they would want to have a challenging conversation, right? And I'd be like, oh, if they went through something hard, 
if they lost somebody in their family, if they lost their mom, right, if somebody was sick, and I wouldn't know what to say to them. So I seriously would just say, you know, I don't really want to talk to that person. I'm going to go back over this way and act like I have to use the restroom or wash my hands, right, or get a drink of water. And we would dodge people who have heaviness in their lives. And now since I'm an impact, I've got kids coming up to me. Hey, I lost my dog Toto, and I can't be like, we'll see you later. I, I have to talk to them, right? I have to be there for them and be able to listen to them. And here's what I learned, y'all. It's not just about the words that you have to say to that person. You know what they want to know? Are you listening to them? Are you there for them? It's the best thing we can do is listen to individuals. Because I'll tell you what, 10 years from now, after they've had a serious life issue, five years from now, six weeks from now, they won't remember your exact advice. But you know what they'll remember is who is there with them. Guys, you want to motivate others? We listen. Second thing we can do, we can team up with one another. Team up with one another. Now, I'm not saying you have to join the Spirit Squad or all of a sudden be a Patriots fan or any of that. That's not what I want you to do. Please don't. But we can team up with one another right around us. And I'll tell you what, the reason I didn't quit basketball up at Trinity my freshman year, I had a senior by the name of Paul Rowe. He's from Brooklyn, New York. And we had nothing in common. But for some reason, Paul teamed up with me. That whole winter break. We probably watched The Dark Knight 15 or 16 times. And he'd already seen it. Hey, man, you seen this movie? No, I've never seen it. Let's watch it. Every day. Hey, man, you want to watch Dark Knight? I kept asking him again and again. And he said, yeah. Because he teamed up with me. And he kept me moving. He motivated me to keep going. Guys, you've got people around you right now that you can team up with to keep us motivated and keep us moving. Now, I know what you, you, you might be thinking, saying, oh, hey, you know what? Right now, I'm just in a hard place, and I feel like I'm stuck, and I don't know what to do. I need some help. I, I'm not really sure what my next step should be, whatever it is. Hey, we have an amazing team of life care volunteers that are here every single Sunday. They're wearing these beautiful Carolina blue shirts out in the lobby, and they would love to talk with you about taking next steps and getting... Man, just getting you unstuck. It doesn't have to be anything more than a conversation because we want to team up with you and help you figure out what we can do to get you moving. We got to motivate one another, y'all. We have to. Maybe you want to know another way to get plugged in, right? You're like, I, I'm just trying to find a team of people here. It's a big church. And when my wife and I first started coming, um, we really, really wanted to get plugged in and meet young adults and, and people. And so what we decided to do were, were two different things. First thing was we would circle up and we join groups. So you could meet other people and connect with other people and team up with them, with whatever their struggles, whatever their hard times were in life. The other thing was we started serving an impact. And I'll tell you what, it's the coolest thing to see adults come into impact on Wednesday nights. And yeah, they got to listen to a lot of the kids. Yeah, they absolutely do, right? And they team up with the kids, which is so incredible. They start teaming up with each other. Get a sense of community with each other. And they start motivating one another and praying for one another and being there for one another outside of just a Wednesday night. Guys, we, we got to team up. We got to listen up. Because if we're not keeping one another moving, it is going to be a very big challenge. So last question I have for y'all 
is the same question we've gotten every, every week here in this series. Well, what does love require of me? Okay, I'm supposed to motivate others, but what does that look like? Keep others moving, okay. What, what do I need to do with this? And I immediately thought of our Big Stuff camp uh, this past summer that we had in June. Right. Big Stuff is our student, our student ministry camp that we go to down in Panama City Beach, Florida, 14 hours away with 150 kids on a bus. Talk about wanting to quit, right? I love my kids, I love my students, but that is a lot, right, being on the bus that long. And I'll tell you what, guys, it was an amazing, incredible experience. We actually had 32 of our students declare their hope in Jesus and they were baptized in the ocean, right? It was just, yeah, absolutely, you can give it up for it. And we had two leaders, two leaders who did the exact same thing. They said, man, I, my hope's in Jesus, that's, that's it. But what's really cool about Big Stuff is Big Stuff does something different. And Big Stuff is this one camp that decides to give the students responsibility and ownership of something. And I heard them say that, but I didn't really know what that meant. I'm just like, okay, they're just, they're just, they're just throwing a lot of jargon out there, looking how great they are, whatever. I don't believe it. Well, the second to last night at camp, they do this dance up on stage. They call a whole group of students. And this dance is known as the Juju on that beat. Has anybody even heard of that? Some of us, yeah, I, here you go. Young adults, you guys have heard of it. I consider myself not really old, but when I heard that and the kids go crazy and everything else, I was like, I don't know where I am. I thought Juju was like French for like Juju or something. I didn't know what was going on. And it was just insane. These kids go up on stage for 30 seconds in this dance and they're just crushing it, just hitting the whole thing. And I'm just like, oh my goodness, like they're really good, okay. And then they're done and everybody just goes crazy. I mean, 1,500 people were watching in the auditorium for this. And as they're leaving, the MC up there has to open his mouth. He says, hey, congratulations, students. But you now have 24 hours to teach your youth leader how to do the juju on that beat. Because we're having a dance competition the last night of camp. And I was sitting there, and I tell you what, I looked right at my wife, Whitney, and I said, I am not getting on that stage doing that dance. I said, there's no way I can do it. Hey, I can't dance, y'all. I don't even know what rhythm is. I struggle spelling it more than likely. I have no dancing abilities at all. At our, at our first dance for our wedding, I probably stepped on Wit's foot like 13 times in like a three-minute song. I just can't, I seriously can't do it. So kids are turning around, pointing and laughing. Oh, this is great. You're, yeah, you got to go on stage. I'm like, no, I'm not going on stage. It's not going to happen. And I start thinking to myself, hey, I got I to gotta solve this, man. I don't know what I'm going to do. Three things came to my mind. And here they were. First thing, I'm going to bribe my wife because she has a little bit of flow. I'm going to get her up on stage, see if she can dance. I said, hey, Whit, you want, uh, no. Like she already knew what I was doing. It wasn't going to happen. I'm like, oh, this is just terrible. Okay. Second thing, my mind's racing. I look at the stage. Stage looks a lot like this, and I'm trying to find any nook or cranny where I can get up there and hide. Problem is, I'm a little bit too tall for that, right? So I might sneak in the back or something. I'm like, no, nah, they're going to see me. There's nothing I can do. So the third thing, this was, this, this was my golden item. I said, I got Iris. Iris is six weeks old. That's gold. Hey, dads, don't act like you don't use the dad card before. Oh, yeah, yeah, babe, I, I know your parents want to have dinner, but, you know, we just got, we just got him on a, on a bedtime schedule, and I don't know if we can do it. Or you want to leave early for something, or you just, 
we're going to be late for something. Guys, Dad, we use that card all the time. That's one of my favorite things as a dad to use, right? I love the dad card. So I'm looking at Iris like, oh, yeah, I'm definitely using dad card on Iris. And I talked to my wife about it, and she's supportive, but the only problem is this is a big stage, 1,500 kids. The speakers are very loud. She's six weeks old. And I said, it's probably not best to jeopardize my daughter's hearing for 30 seconds of humiliation for me. We tried to even find like some noise-canceling headphones. We really did. <laughs> to see if we can get up on stage. Because I was going to hold her, and this is my dance right here. That's about it. That's all I can do, right? And I said, I'll have her up on stage, and people will focus on it. Well, we never found noise-canceling headphones. We could not do that dance. So the whole next day, I'm just going to kids. Hey, can you help me with the, uh, the, the, the juju uh, on the beat dance thing? They're like, I know how to do it. I'm like, yes, all right, help me out. How do you do it? Like, oh, I'm not going to show you. I'm like, all right, well, thanks a lot. So I go to the next kid. Hey, can you help me with the juju on the beat? Oh, yeah, I know how to do juju. I'm like, oh, 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 slow down. Will you show it to me? <laughs> yeah, you got it. I'm like, I'm serious. I need some help here. What am I going to do? All these kids were turning me down. And I don't blame them because I can't dance. There's nothing about me that says dancing, right? Everything changed at about 3 o'clock that afternoon. And a girl by the name of Simone, one of our rising ninth graders at Atkins High School, she comes up to me and she's like, hey, so you ready for the dance? I've had probably two or three conversations with Simone. I said, Simone, look, I appreciate it, but at this point, it's a loss. It's a lost cause. Like, you don't want to do this, trust me. I'm just going to go up there. I think I'm going to fake an injury or something, catch a cramp, and I'm just going to kind of have to walk off the stage. Like, you don't want to do it. She's like, nah, hey, I got you. I said, Simone, are you really, trust me, you don't. She said, nah, it's cool. I got you. And Simone spent the next three hours on the last day of camp teaching me how to do the juju on that beat. Three hours. I didn't realize how bad it sounded until I told one of the youth leaders. I was like, yeah, man, I've been working on this for three hours today. He's like, what? I said, huh? No. Three hours, I don't know what you're talking about. It didn't take me that long. She spent three hours teaching me how to do this. And what was so cool about it is leaders at first were laughing at us. Like, nah, you're not going to do this. They joined in and they started doing the dance with us. So it wasn't just me and Simone on the beach. We had Jake Copeland and Madison Parker and Stephen Williams. And we all had a crew out there. Then the kids, some of the students who were clowning me, and they probably were still clowning me, right? But they joined in with us. And Noah and Zay and Miles, they were out there dancing. We had so many people on the beach, it was incredible. And all the while, Simone's sitting there encouraging us, motivating us, keeping us moving. Hey, you got this. I'd mess up. I'd probably fall on my face or something, right? I just can't dance. And she would, hey, you got it. Come on, keep going. Keep moving. You can do it. You can do it. Don't quit. And the night came, and right before we get ready to head over, we're down in the lobby. And I'm like, hey, Simone, I'm a little bit nervous, to be honest. She's like, nervous? You used to have an A-plus attitude, now you're flirting with a C. And I was like, oh, dang, Simone, like, you're right. I am messing with a C attitude right now. My fault, right? She's like, you're not average. I said, you're right, Simone. And we started dancing in the lobby, and I lie to you not. Students came, they were there, leaders came, random kids that were walking to large group came in, started doing the whole juju on the beat. It was unbelievable. We walk into the auditorium, place is just ah, going crazy. I'm like, you know what, I might actually, I was so pumped up, I might actually have a chance at this thing. 
even though I can't dance. And then Simone circled us up and said, hey, Chris, I want to pray for you. And she prayed that I would be encouraged, I'd believe in myself, and I'd have a good time. And I tell you what, I have never been more speechless and jacked up at the same time about something. I was so excited. I went up on that stage. I don't know how this happened. This would definitely be one of the biggest miracles probably in my life because I finished second place in this dance competition. Oh, I, you, no, you don't need to clap for it. I was joking with my wife about it the other day. I said, babe, how many leaders do you think were in that dance competition? I was like, what, 75, 100? She's like, uh, maybe like 50 or something. I was like, okay, all right. Well, whatever it is, there's probably 30 or 40, 45 leaders, whatever it was. It was unreal. Guys, Simone motivated me through the whole thing. And when it was over, I was so excited, like, and so just shocked by what happened. If Simone would have told me that I could run through a wall, I'd put on a football helmet. Which one? Where are we going? I believed I could do it. I believed I could do anything because she motivated me and went through it with me. Guys, we all have people in our lives right now who need motivation. We all have people in our lives right now who need you to do the juju on the beat dance with them. Guys, we need to show them. Because if you're going through life by yourself, you're not going to make it, right? We have to keep one another moving. What if we were the church? What if we were the families? What if we were the husbands? What if we were the wives? who kept one another moving. If there is ever a time in our country and in our own neighborhoods and communities to motivate and keep one another moving, it's right now. Christians, we have our hope. That's what we're supposed to do. But are you willing to go and keep somebody else moving this week? Because the coolest thing is you'll probably never know the influence you could have on somebody right now in your life. You'll never know what they want to quit so bad right now in their life and they're done and this is the last chance. Until, 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 and you give it a try and you keep them moving. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this morning, Lord. Thank you for your son, Jesus. He is why we're able to keep moving. And we're so grateful for his love and the fact that he was the first person to tell us, hey, it's okay. You got it. I know you're broken. I know you're struggling. I know you want to quit. But I got you. Thank you for Jesus' love, for his forgiveness, for his grace. I pray that we can hold tight to our hope in him this week and that we can have eyes that see those who need to be motivated and that we need to keep moving. Father, I pray for people here today who feel like they're stuck. And I pray that they will have the confidence and the courage to come and allow us to team up and help with them. I also pray for those right now, Lord, who are just struggling and trying to keep going. God, our hope is in you, and we're so thankful. Thankful that you kept us moving first, Jesus. And it's in your holy, precious name we pray this morning. Amen.